0: gentlemen, welcome into episode 53 of the Get Around Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Summers. Alongside me, as always, James Cook, Jake Atnip. We are proudly sponsored by Jimmy John's. And James is hoping this recording lasts a little longer than normal today so that he can maybe skip the first 20 minutes of the district so- soccer game he's headed to. He's, he's already fearing the cold.
1: I'm not going to mind that. I've already, you know, I'm already layered up. Ready to be layered up. I got extra cut clothes in the car. I don't everything. know if today. I don't know if
2: today was it, but I think I saw the first snow flurries in Traverse City. Yep, I saw it at my house. yeah. Yep. I was driving out to Seven and Four for uh, the Jimmy John's Sports Corner with Harrison Beebe, and there was flurries coming down on my windshield, and I was in utter disbelief. I'm
1: winter is coming.
0: My daughter was pretty happy. She was trying to catch the snowflakes on her tongue this morning.
1: I logged into Facebook just to see people freaking out about getting snow already. So
0: why are people freaking out? I mean, I don't know. There, this there, always happens. I know every
1: day there's a the first day of having snow. They, you go on Facebook and people are just like, "Oh my god, it's snowing already!" And it's like,
0: I mean, what you? How should long have, have you lived here? What you <laughs> should have done is taken a selfie in this beige <laughs> denim slash flannel, flannel top and posted that on Facebook and seen if anybody freaked out about that.
1: It's a shirt, not a top. I don't refer to my yeah. shirts as tops.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. sorry.
2: Nice blouse okay. you have on over there.
0: I don't even know what that is, Jake.
1: The
2: three Game buttons on the top makes it a blouses.
1: blouse. Okay.
2: I don't know, but I'm not excited for the wintertime up here. I'm still completely, like, new to this northern Michigan wintertime thing, and everybody's just, they've already tried to scare me. Didn't it snow in it. Lansing? Well, yeah, but
1: I've heard It's it worse.
0: I, I don't know. I mean that's
1: it, it's just more snow. It, it's just more snow. That's the temperature is the more same. Issues. They do and eventually
0: just... get that more snow off the road and it's just it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah. okay, then I'm not that bad. The right. piles just take longer to melt in the springtime.
1: Yeah. I'm warm-blooded so I don't freak out about winter.
2: I'm so, I'm warm-blooded too, but the cold is no friend to anybody, especially when you got to stand out there taking pictures on the sideline like we do. It's no fun. Is cold. Our yeah.
0: photog, Jan, he, I saw him at the Central Escanaba game Friday, and he had somewhere to be earlier in the day and didn't have a chance to drop back home. And so, I mean, he did that whole game with no gloves, no hat, and just basically had like a little sweater on. And I was like, dude, you must be freezing cold because, I, I don't know, that game got out of hand, and I just decided not to go to the sideline.
2: Yeah.
1: I stayed in the press box. I'm not going to have that option in no El Rapids. No, you won't. i to take pictures. Hopefully, I'll be able to get two or three good pitchers right away, and then I can just maybe just stop and go up in the press box. But I don't think that they their box is heated anyway.
0: Well, I'd even planned on going down on the field. I think I told you before that game on Friday. I said, "Up oh, first, first long underwear game of the season," and then I just I sat up there and ate chicken wings and
2: yeah, had, I, had a good time. I did. I did long underwear on Friday and Saturday, and when it was Saturday during the day, I was actually surprised that it got a little bit warmer. But I went out, and I was like, yeah, I would rather be in that press box. Literally the entire game. I did the whole first half out on the side of the field. I went up to the press box. The only thing that stunk is that they had, like, spicy garlic, like, really hot Buffalo Wild Wings. Mm. So I was in my long underwear and, like, double layered up, and I started eating these hot wings. You started to sweat? Oh, my God. (laughs) Baking in the sun, starting to sweat. Just, oh, my God. I thought I was going to be safe, you know what I'm saying, wearing more clothes in the cold, so I wouldn't be sweating. No. I ate the hot wings, and it was over with. You've
0: admitted to... Being a heavy sweater, you didn't, you didn't make it through the, your long johns and your no outerwear. No, I, I,
2: I had I had three layers on, I believe, uh, including blue only made jeans. it through the first two. Yeah, the blue. I don't know I don't think I normally sweat through <laughs> blue jeans. I think that would be a bit of a, that would be a bit of an accomplishment. But uh, yeah, the hot wings got me on Saturday.
0: All right, we've got a good show lined up for you today. As we already alluded to, soccer districts are getting started, so we'll pick our favorites to escape with district championships, talk a little bit about who may have a shot at winning a state title, maybe some upset specials. We've got an interview with Leland's Coblund, which we recorded last week, now barring a shocking Monday upset, North Bay over
2: Leland. That would be the most Um, shocking upset of our time.
0: I mean, regardless, you know, if, if... irregardless okay brendan <laughs> if uh regardless who wins that game it's a good interview we don't really talk about the playoffs necessarily a whole lot but it's a, a good chat with cobe he of course of the numerous nominations to the get around hall of fame as well as numerous denials but he finally made it in a couple weeks ago and we wanted to have him on the show and Uh, He was a great guest. After that, we will jump into the bulletin board, do a little football action since we did not have a get-around-after-dark following week eight. And, of course, state finals golf, state finals tennis, a lot going on, especially as some of these seasons are already winding down. Uh, Come the end of this coming weekend, we will have champions crowned in those two sports, and our schedule load will get a little bit lighter. Then we'll get into this week's rendition of the Get Around Hall of Fame, followed by the trifecta, and with it being as Jake described it, Hate Week, between Michigan and Michigan State. I don't. Does everybody call it that? Yeah, I don't know. Ah, uh,
2: yes. This is a universal holiday for both fan bases. An entire week long celebration, of hate. Of hate. Yes, it's it's the one week one week out of fifty two weeks out of the year that we get a chance to become vile, inhuman people up to the leading up to the game. It's it's a lot
1: of fun, and that's why both. Fan bases suck.
2: <laughs> it's one if week one, out of the year. If, if,
1: you're, if you're like me and you you know kind of root for both of them, then you're, it's kind of an ambivalent week because no matter what, a team you like is going to lose. Yeah. I, do, I do think, uh, I'll say
0: this now, I do think it's a bigger game for Michigan because with the way the Big Ten has gone down already at this point, I think Michigan and Ohio State are the only Big Ten teams with a chance to make the playoff, and we're only six weeks in, which is kind of mind-boggling, but... Uh, So if Michigan State wins that one, then it leaves just the Buckeyes, and I know everybody
2: wants them to be in another playoff. It's better than Michigan, so I don't mind. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't have any trouble saying that. It's unequivocally better. It's
1: okay. Uh, eh. Didn't you leave the Michigan story out this weekend?
2: Yeah, right.
0: Eek. (laughs) Yeah, Jake's Jake's in a little hot water there. (laughs) Mr. Spartan over here uh, forgot to run the Michigan story. Uh, which of course it would have had to run a day late because the late night game it would not have gotten into Sunday's paper, but it should have gotten in Monday's. We apologize, or Jake apologizes yeah, yeah, for do. that. I do.
1: I apologize. Although
0: I mean, how sorry could he really be? Sorry? Uh, as he as he just
1: alluded to. Is that is that a sorry not sorry kind of?
2: Maybe, probably. You maybe. probably you probably shouldn't say. Yeah. yeah. Maybe I don't know.
0: We'll see after you call the uh, gentleman who left you a nice voicemail. It'll what what, what what he says to you when you when you call him back. <laughs> um, I think uh, I think Jim and his wife, whoever Jim is, they're, they're going to
2: give you some heat. Have a day for me. It's okay. I, I probably deserve a little bit of it. Especially but, after what I'm going to say later. So, <laughs>
1: they're going they're going to make it their own personal hate week for you.
2: Hey. <laughs> Everybody's got their haters.
1: But that
0: is our show for this, the 53rd episode of the Get Around Podcast. Let's get started. Check the heartbeat of the sports world with the Pulse. And as I said before, soccer districts kicked off on Monday. A number of games, the other first round or pre-district games, I suppose, uh, will be Tuesday. So whenever you're listening to this. Uh, we're not really going to give you a blow-by-blow blow of, the, of the games themselves, but we will sort of highlight the routes that some of these teams have. And now one of the, one of the interesting things uh, to lead off in Division One, James, is the fact that Traverse City Central and Traverse City West both managed to secure a bye, which I don't really remember that happening recently. Usually one has to play and win a game before they get to face off against one another they'll they'll be in that semifinal on Tuesday. West has gotten the better of the Trojans each of the first couple of matchups in the regular season, but we've seen this time and time again in soccer between these two squads that when they get to that playoff game, it's usually a pretty tightly contested low-scoring affair. Do you see that or do you think the Titans are going to
1: finish this one off pretty easily? They've definitely got to be the favorites. I would have to say. I think the reason of the difference in the uh, schedules is because Alpena is in Division Two this year instead of Division One, so that kind of took one of the, the far away teams in that district away. So they were able to just basically save everybody have you know save travel costs and have the two midland teams play each other, have the two Bay City area teams play each other. You know, Bay City and uh, Saginaw Heritage, and then the TC schools, and then get into some long trips after that. But, but, yeah, I mean, West has got to be considered the favorite, I would think. I mean, they've put up a pretty good record. They've played a, a very tough schedule out of conference as well. And, uh, you know, and they've, they've, they've beaten Central twice. And, you know, then they've, they've done well out of conference against teams like, you know, good teams like Midland, Midland-Dow, Saginaw Heritage. So unequivocally they are the uh, favorites to win this district. Go ahead, be our handicapper here. What's the,
0: what's the spread on this game?
1: Uh, well, I mean, Central has been playing quite a bit better the last couple of weeks. Um, you know, they've, after really struggling for a long time to score goals, they, the last four or five games they've had, they've, they've gotten on the board. They've gotten a couple of wins. They've gotten a tie. You know, so I think this one will be. I don't know if it'll be a blowout or anything. I mean, the the first two games weren't or the last one, I mean, wasn't. So
2: both of them. both the first two were only 3-0 games. Uh, yeah, 3-0 games,
1: all, goal, all the yeah. goal scored in the half, second half. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't think it'll be a, a blowout again either. Um, it kind of depends on whether Central decides to play a little more defensive like they did in those games to keep it close and then hope in the second half they can break through and get some, or if they decide that, you know, hey, we've been, our offense has kind of come together a little bit this last couple weeks, so we're going to go kind of straight up. And that might be the difference in this game, whether it, it goes one way or the other.
0: Well, no disrespect to Central, but uh, in, in addition to West being the obvious favorite in this game, I, I, I just can't really give Central too much of a chance, if any. Uh, even I mean, even with their improved play here over the last few weeks of the season, Jake, do you think Central can win this game?
2: Well, I mean, no. I'll, I'll go ahead and be the odds maker since James didn't put a flat one out there. And since it was 3-0 oh, the first two games, I'll put the, the line at 3 and say that Traverse City West will probably come away with this pretty handily.
0: As James mentioned before, in Division Two, Alpena plays at Petoskey. That's actually a seven-team district. Uh, Gaylord also there. They get the first-round bye and will play the Alpina petoskey winner. In Division Three, now this is you know, a, a district that I'm really looking at. You've got Kalkaska at Sheboygan, Kingsley Elk Rapids, Grayling at Boyne City, and Benzie Central at T.C. Christian It's probably the most loaded district in terms of our area teams, but I think Elk Rapids probably stands head and shoulders above the rest in terms of being able to escape that district. You know, Kingsley, Boyne City are maybe the uh, you know the runners up, if you will, in that one. Well, don't
2: forget about T C Christian too. T C Christian definitely could be able to you know maybe be one of those upset picks out of one of these uh, district district final games.
0: That's true, and they have you know. Goalkeeping postseason always comes down to goalkeeping, and you you mentioned the Sabers. They do have Thomas Hardy, who has a number of shutouts on the season. Maybe not as many as Elk Rapids Ethan Pike, but uh, probably definitely not. But teams like that that have that kind of stellar goalkeeping at this point in the year certainly have a pretty good shot.
1: And Christian is young, and if they play a Benzie team it's you know been improving the season too. So if they get by that hurdle, I think then. Then you kind of look at them as a team that, uh, you know, they're going to get a Grayling Boyne winner in the second round, and you know, that could be a winnable game for them. Getting to the finals, I think, for this young of a team would be a pretty good, pretty good get in the playoffs.
0: Division four at Charlevoix. got the Raiders taking on Burt Lake and Leland at North Bay. And then the Division 4 district at Big Rapids Crossroads, Walkerville at Buckley, Lakeview at Big Rapids Crossroads, Pine River at McBain, Buckley the only area team in that one. I think those Division 4 districts kind of lead in to perhaps this question. Jake, which of all these teams that we just went over,
2: which has the best chance to win a district title? Well, I think it's Leland, without a doubt. I mean, they get to play North Bay on Monday today, which is... the they have only won two games this season, so it's basically a walkthrough in that pre district game for Leland and uh, But North Bay has
0: an incredible opportunity to make us look
2: incredibly, incredibly stupid. Yes, this is like a sixteen this is like a sixteen <laughs> seed versus a one seed type of deal for me, you so know. So they're
1: Maryland Baltimore County.
0: Yeah,
2: exactly. It's it's literally a sixteen one Without seed. Without the
0: good Twitter guy.
2: <laughs> Still they, I mean, they don't have the same mascot either, but I mean they don't have a mascot at all, do they? They're no, just we've, discussed, we've discussed yeah, this before. Yeah, they, they don't even need, have a you need mascot. Need to get something. Yeah, instead of golden retrievers would be a lot better. Maybe, maybe they should be the North Bay Golden Retrievers. If they do win this game, we'll have to make that uh, make that pitch. Yeah, if make they, that pitch yeah. for them because they could really be the underdogs. But I see Leland coming out of their district rather easily. I mean, they've been dominating all season. Uh, I you know I don't even. I wouldn't even be surprised if some of these playoff games had in mercies for Leland. So just out of districts is where I see them uh, moving rather easily. But once they get up into that regional route is when, you know, they'll start seeing a really big challenge.
0: The tough part about that, though, James, is, you know, if you're talking about shortened games or the chance of shortened games or just playing a lot of subs, does that leave Leland at risk at all? You know, we, you'll, you'll hear it in our interview with Kobe They had a game at the end of the regular season against Kingsley that they essentially let their JV start and try to win that game, and it ended up being a draw. Now, I know they're not going to do that in the postseason, but if the subs get in and play a lot of minutes, does Leland have to worry at all about rust or anything like that if and when they come up uh, against a Muskegon-West Michigan Christian uh, in, in regionals? I think with this
1: weather, I think you're just going to see him trying to say, hey, if we got the opportunity, let's just get this game over as soon as we can. <laughs> if you have temperatures in the 40s and supposedly possibly even out into the 30s and later in the evening sometimes this week,
2: think, if I'm a coach, uh, I'm just saying, let's just get out of here. I'm
1: let's out. just score eight and get done. Keep the bus running.
0: You know, I know this cold at this time of the year is nothing new, but I- I don't recall it being this windy all the time, and that's what makes it awful. I, well, yeah, I don't it know. It's windy.
2: I, it, it bites you. It bites that much more. Do I have
0: a selective memory? I mean, I feel like you go outside any day right now, and you literally have to fight the wind to wherever you're walking.
1: Yeah, I think it's un, it's a little unusual. I think it's probably just remnants of those hurricanes. It's the nor'easter.
0: Like, yeah, something.
1: Or uh, the El Nino. Anybody
0: ever tell you you should have been a weatherman, James?
2: Nope. <laughs> yeah, no.
1: El <laughs> La Nino, El Nino. I don't have a face for TV, man.
0: <laughs> well, you've been. It sounds like you've been picking up some things uh, from Joe Charlevoy. Jake, what's your district upset special?
2: Like I mentioned earlier, I think TC Christian. That's what I was trying to bring up. Is you know TC Christian might be able to sneak out and really shock you know Elk Rapids or you know even you know Kingsley can give Elk Rapids a decent. Decent run for their money in that first round, but... Um, can they? It was 8 to nothing when Leland played their starters. I, I understand. I understand. I definitely think that, that that district is the one that we can see, um, especially because it is loaded with so many area teams. I mean, not, not, not all of them are extremely strong in terms of playoff teams, but, you know, there's a lot that can happen when you have seven or eight different teams really battling it out.
0: For me, one of the things that I'm curious to see out of this... District slate is what Buckley can do. I mean, obviously, they, they make it to a Final Four last year behind the play of a, a bunch of stellar athletes, you know, the same guys, Austin Harris, Denver Cade, Brock Beeman, who, who led the basketball team to back-to-back state championship games. But Ridge Beeman is still there. we have got Callan Wildfong. And I'm just really curious to see what this team can do a year removed from you know losing a bunch of those other guys. And I mean, they've had a pretty good year. they They've pretty much been able to beat most of their opponents other than Leland. Uh, and, and so I'm just curious to see if they can add another district title and and continue to build on the success that they've had, even though it's a much different Bears team than a year ago. That was the pulse brought to you by Jimmy Johns, two locations in Traverse City. At Jimmy John's, they're freaks about fresh bread, meats, and veggies because that means better sandwiches for all. Freaky fresh, freaky fast. Jimmy John's, freak yeah. Well, I would say now is as good a time as any to wrap up this soccer talk with our interview with Leland Star Coblund. I don't have a tally on how many goals he scored this season, but it's a lot. Glad that we took our shot getting him in here because he was a great guest. We hope you enjoy the listen. I'm pleased to welcome in Leland's Kobe Lund into the Get Around Podcast studio today. Kobe joins us after Leland has wrapped up a Northwest Conference Soccer Championship and looks forward to a big run through the postseason. But before we get there, Kobe, thank you so much for being here and hope the, the drive down was all right for you. Yeah, it was fine. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. So before we get into the season... You, uh, you've only been at Leland the last two seasons now. You transferred from Traverse City West.
3: What exactly led to the transfer from Titan to Comet? Well, let's see. A little background history. I grew up in Leland after moving from Grand Haven since I was three years old. So I went to preschool, some elementary with a lot of the guys there. So I'd grown up with them and I was like really close with them. So I mean, in the summer or in the summers, that's like mostly the guys I hang out with, I'd say. And we also had moved out of our Traverse City condo and it just seemed pretty logical to just Okay. Keep so th- So that was almost like going back home. It wasn't so much of a change.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, I felt right at home, you know. Even before school started, it was great. Both programs, obviously successful, West and Leland. Absolutely. You were playing for the
3: Titans JV team, correct, in your time? I mean, I had played for the JV a few games when I was a freshman. but Okay, but you did get bumped up. I was dual rostered. Okay. So I played, I tend to play like a half or so on the JV if they wanted me to play and also most of the time play on the varsity after. But so what was the biggest
0: difference or what is the biggest difference not necessarily in terms of the competition on the field but maybe the difference with between coach Grissinger or coach Berta or you know the mentality around the program or how the school
3: communities view it like what what stands out yeah, that's a really good question because, like, our saying for the Leland is often brotherhood. What we say in our chant is more of, like, a more discreet break instead of, like, yelling comments or, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. So that's really something that, you know, actually means something because it's more of a brotherhood. Like, we see these guys or the guys every day in school, you know, like, almost every hour, too. We're at, like, West. You'd maybe see him a couple times during the day. Then you'd be able to see him during practice. And most of the guys on the team are, like, who I'd hang out with, like, after school and stuff like that, like, during the day. So it's kind of a difference there. So would you say it's more difficult to build a camaraderie within a team, uh, you know, at a big school like West versus at Leland? Absolutely. You don't see each other as much. I mean, great guys on the West team. I'm not talking down to them at all. They're great, awesome people, you know, bonded with them too. But it's just I feel like it's easier to bond with people when you only have, like, 40 kids to a class versus, what, like 600 or, I don't know, however many they have at West. A know. lot more. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I I feel like if we had a big assembly or something, I'd see, like, a kid that I'd never seen in my life before, you know, and I'd probably went to school with them for, like, you know, through middle school at West, so it's interesting. What was the biggest change on the field then, going
0: from the BNC to the NWC?
3: Conference play. There's a very big difference, but, man, it's hard to say because I remember when I was a freshman, we had – we do a similar thing at Leland, though. We have, like, a little tournament up in Petoskey. But when I was a freshman, we uh, played a tournament. We did the sophomore year, too, but I remember my first year playing at West. There's a tournament that the team does at Central – And I think they have teams like Skyline, and I I don't remember all the teams, but they're incredible teams. I remember going in, getting the ball for what I believe was the first time in a varsity match when I was like a little 14, 15-year-old, however old I was. (laughs) And I got the ball, and I turned, and this big dude just like – Runs at me so fast and just gives me a brutal slide tackle like beautiful slide tackle though But it's like wow, this is like the pace of varsity soccer. These are these big guys. I have to you know Match that physicality and speed of play, you know, it's something way different But like getting used to that and then bringing that to Leland Which the guys there do play like that. There's a lot of physical players That's something we have as a team at Leland that we can bring to dominate our uh, conference, which I'm not saying that other teams don't have that in our conference. Obviously, like Kingsley and Buckley, you know, they're physical big guys. But I think that just like adding the speed of play and just like the want to win and like score and, you know, stuff like that just really adds to it.
1: So, And now going into the uh, Western Michigan Christian game, you guys were ranked number three. They were ranked yeah. number one. Right. It was at their place. Did you guys feel like you were the underdogs, or did you feel disrespected that you were ranked lower than them, or how did you, how did you approach going into that game?
3: No, I I don't I didn't re- necessarily feel disrespected. I think that they have proven to be a, a team worth of the number one ranking. They're an incredible team. You know, I think last year was the only time Leland Soccer has ever beaten them. I mean, we felt like. Underdogs then, but here this year it was kind of like a measuring stick to see where we were. So I don't I don't know if we necessarily felt like the underdogs this year, but I don't know if we
1: felt like top dog either. You
3: know mm-hmm. what I'm saying?
1: What do you think of the odds that you uh, you get to play them again? You guys would both have to get to the regional finals in Cadillac, should yep. not be that huge of a drive for you guys. I guess could be worse.
3: Yeah, I I think the odds are very high, and I hope we play them again cuz they're a very solid team and good one to play against. Mm-hmm. Did you did you feel like
0: one got away because for those who weren't at the game or didn't catch the result, I mean it was scoreless at halftime, and you guys had a 1-0 lead and they cleaned up a rebound in the final minute to, to force the draw. I mean did, yeah. were you were you pretty down
3: after after it because of how it ended? Uh no, I wasn't down. I actually had a goal that got called back. It was a free kick that I scored, and I think he called goalie interference. The ref called goalie interference, I think. It could have been 2-0. They could have had more goals earlier. We could have had more goals earlier. It could have gone either way. It is such a solid team. I mean, they got the goal. It is what it is. We just have to bring it.
0: How good was Gavin Miller in that game? Because we put him up for the Get Around Hall of Fame last week based on the 12 saves that he had against the number one team. And the Leland Twitter account made him sound pretty good. We obviously weren't there, so what'd you see? How how good was Gavin?
3: Gavin Miller is unreal. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I have to say about that. That kid is insane. Even in practice, I'll just like jokingly yell at him, because he will make like a save. I'll be like, Gavin, like why did you save that? Like something like that. But it's funny. He can just pull off some incredible saves, and I was really proud of. The performance he gave that game it's awesome to see is, sure. he, is he related to garrett yeah probably uh, yeah yeah okay so bringing it back to to the conference play
0: uh, your your last regular season match of the season you guys go into that one undefeated you're you're still undefeated right but not the perfect conference season what what happened in that game against kingsley which was a 2-2 draw because you guys had beaten them 8-0 to earlier in the year, and, and was, was that a disappointment to not finish off the,
3: the perfect conference record? It would have been nice to win, but the starters played, I think it was a little under two minutes on the clock when we went in. In the second half, we let the younger guys start and play the game, and our deal was, so we have the younger guys starting, and they get to play the whole half, and by, I forget what time it was, but if it was, like, they weren't winning by that time, then we were going to go in, the starters, and they were winning. Oh! (laughs) So we didn't get to go in, but it was 2-1, and then Kingsley scored in, like, like, a little under two minutes left. So we went in and tried to get one, but... Didn't
0: happen, but that's all right. Is that a good thing now that it's the postseason? I mean, does it kind of force you guys to refocus even though that wasn't necessarily your typical game situation? Absolutely,
3: because I feel like the main reason we did that is because we so we could all be healthy, have our starters healthy, and it was a good opportunity to get the younger guys some playing time.
1: But and you beat them eight to nothing the the last time you played them, I think, right?
3: Yeah, yeah, it was
1: eight to nothing. But yeah, I'm glad that we're all healthy and
3: I mean didn't get injured that game but
1: I was gonna say I surprised you didn't cover that game against Kingsley because every time you go to a soccer game it's a tie
3: it's true <laughs> I, I have this knack
0: for it and it drives me crazy because it's probably my least favorite thing about the sport of soccer yeah. I, <laughs> I I hate ties right? I, ha- I just hate ties so
1: yeah I think I wrote a 30-inch gamer on a tie one time you did I remember <laughs>
0: So you you guys have pretty much blown everybody out this season. 11 shutouts, 14 times you've scored five goals or more. Are you guys that good, or have the number of times you've been tested been limited? I'd say it's a mix of both.
3: <laughs> we have a very, very solid squad, in my opinion. I mean, we were hanging with Cadillac earlier in the season when we had the boys in. I mean, like like I was saying, WMC was kind of the measuring stick, like as far as where our talent was. And I think we got a good answer from that, that we're, you know, ready to compete and can compete with the big guys downstate, you know. Going back but, to that, that
0: actually may have played out fairly well for you if that had been a postseason game or a, a game where you go to a shootout yeah, instead of a tie. Right, You had to uh, feel pretty good with the with your goalie and then obviously, you know, guys like you going up there in the shootout situation.
1: It was, so has Cadillac kind of been your guys' boogeyman? I think you guys only have like what one loss this season and, and one of the ties early was them too for some reason, wasn't it?
3: Yeah, we played Cadillac and
1: It must have been in a tournament, tournament or something to play them twice early? We played
3: them in our tournament at home and lost to them and then we played them at a tournament in Elk Rapids and tied them I feel like we played them earlier in Petoskey, but we had around, like, half of our players missing. Like, I was out. I think Nick was out. Michael, I don't even think, was in yet. Like, we had a lot of our squad gone. I don't even know if we played them in Petoskey. I kind of forget, but... Just blocking that one out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) Kind of that tournament in general, but that was all right. It was our first, like, show, and... Again, it was kind of like a thing where, I mean, we almost had to play most of our younger guys since there were so many people, like, out with injuries. I had this really weird injury on my thigh earlier in the season that I got over, which was nice. But that kind of hindered me. Okay, really weird. You've, you you got to elaborate on that weird. a little bit. Okay, so <laughs> I really like to do flips.
0: And, like, you're just I've, walking... across the street and you'll just
3: I've done a flip what's the road called that goes front front street right here I've done a flip on front street before (laughs) (laughs) but I was doing a flip on the beach I think it was the day before tryouts and there's like a big like sharp log sticking out of the sand that I did not know I was about to land on I landed on that and I still have a, a brutal scar like going up my thigh from the log and I think I might have possibly like bruised it deeply or so you weren't something you like were or you weren't bleeding I was bleeding <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't too fun and I and I was bleeding at, like my lower leg too but that wasn't as bad my thigh was like the big the big scar area So obviously your buddies
0: that are there with you know that that happened did, when you went to tryouts, did you tell anybody? Did you tell coach, or did you just bandage it up and gut it out?
3: It, it came out eventually that I did a flip. and, <laughs> <laughs> and at, at tryouts or after Oh I Oh, I, I could not oh, you play on that, no. It was brutal. <laughs> I mean, I might have been able to, but at the time I didn't know if I had, like, I didn't know that it was just, like, a... I feel like it was a little more than a scrape. Let's put it... <laughs> <laughs> but it might have been. I feel like it was a deep bruise because I went to the doctor for it eventually just to make sure it wasn't like pulled or torn or anything, but it wasn't, so that's cool. So, do you ever experiment with the flip throw in? No, I have not, but I've done it as a celebration. Not flip throw in, but a flip. Uh, have you ever, you never even tried it? No. No? I feel like I probably should. It might work, but we already have, well, Nate his throw in is unreal. That can get the distance, so yeah. I don't know. They can't do they can't do a flip throw into yourself. <laughs> yeah. That would be impressive. <laughs> you have to throw and, it really high. Yeah.
0: Just about straight up, but oh well. All right, so you you mentioned, you know, one of your fellow Northwest Conference teams, uh, you know, has a, a good opponent in Buckley. Mhm. It seems like there's a pretty intense rivalry there. Is it as intense as it seems? Mm. I feel like they want it to be. Okay. Intense, but I don't know. I mean, if you. I mean, over time, yes, Leland's probably gotten a few more W's, but they did, they did get you guys last year. Yeah. Did that change things
3: at all? I mean, initially, it just made us want them to beat them more, but if you beat a team. Sixteen and zero total. I don't really think you can consider it a rivalry anymore. That's just kind of a.
1: Like, where did the animosity come from in that, or, or rivalry? I guess coming from was it from that game? I think was it two years ago when they just sold out on defense and kind of played for the, played for the tie and the and the shootout. Well, obviously, being that was my first year playing.
3: Yeah, it first high year school back soccer. But yeah. I could tell that's how they like to play. I think that was the rumor, that that's how they did play. So it's pretty opposite to what we do. So, I mean, I guess it wasn't our favorite thing to see. So, (laughs) (laughs) I could say that,
1: maybe. Is is the Central-West rivalry better than the Leland-Buckley rivalry? Yeah,
3: probably. I mean, I feel like the student section helps with that, Mm. too. Like, if you score... I mean, obviously, having more kids, you're going to have a louder student section. But, like, I don't know. It's just insane. Like, like scoring a goal at the West Central rivalry, they just go insane. Like, <laughs> It's cool. I mean, it's cool to see. Like, Is that one of the biggest things you miss about being there? Well, possibly. That was something I looked forward to when I played there. Yeah, and it was awesome to get a goal for varsity there. I think I scored a hat-trick when I played JV one time against Central, so that was pretty cool. I think one of my buddies got my goal on video too. All right, so one thing that we've been
0: wanting to know, I don't know how much you listen to this podcast, how long you've been listening to it if you have been, but there's been kind of a running joke up until you got into the Get Around Hall of Fame two weeks ago, two episodes ago, because last year you had a really great run where you were being put up for it three, four weeks in a row, but lo- lost the vote every time. Did yeah. you Did you even know
3: that was going on? Well, I think my parents brought it up to me. I mean, they, they showed me the podcast, send me the links and stuff like that, so I get to listen to them, so that's cool. And I guess they, they were kind of telling me about it, and I was like, oh, you know. <laughs> I mean, it happens, and I'm appreciative. I'm in it now, but. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. You, uh, you're the first to have ever sent a thank you letter. So you know you're, a classy <laughs> yeah, guy.
3: Appreciate, well, appreciate it.
0: So then my second question is: Do you know who Brendan Queeley
3: is? I don't. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's the right answer. <laughs> is that bad?
1: No, no. Well, it's, only bad, it's only bad for him. He okay. Came, he came, last year he he kept nominating you for the, for oh, the Hall of Fame. Was that him? And yeah, then yeah, okay. yeah and. Uh, and then I think he he yeah, he so started he, getting mad after a while, kind of the, the, I think. that he kept losing the vote,
0: but then <laughs> no, yeah. I, he he's so he's since moved to news he's not on the sports desk anymore, okay. and I think it came up well because you got in two weeks ago, and you know we jokingly said that you know you were you were his boy and that <laughs> and then he said that he's talked to you a few times on the phone, and so I just wanted to. Wanted to see, wanted to see what you said because I thought that was pretty funny.
1: <laughs> I'm going to take credit for that though because I think I put him up that week. Oh, for sure. So I'm going to steal I'm going to steal Brendan's thunder. <clears throat> All right. Well, thank you and thank you, Brendan.
0: <laughs> All right. So to wrap up this visit with Leland's Coblund, uh, we always do something fun with the guests called the Wheelhouse. Was so just five quick. Kind of rapid fire questions. We may or may not ask you to elaborate, but it's kind of a little, even though it's scripted, it's off the script of kind of where this conversation's gone so far. So, first one, what other sport would you play if, you know, without soccer? Because you are just, soccer's it for you, right?
3: Organized sport? like yeah, High so, school? Yeah. Probably yeah. basketball? Okay. I'm quite the baller. <laughs> not really, but <laughs> I'm pretty sure, but <laughs> I like to. I'd like to think of myself as a decent basketball player, but I'm pretty short compared to some of the guys out there. Probably you tried going one on one at all with Garrett Miller? No, but I've gone one on one against uh, Grayson Carlson. If do you know who that is? Big six eight guy. About I don't know. I think he's six eight. I actually beat him too, which is pretty cool. All right, so yeah, <laughs> you got you got some chops. Yeah, I uh, worked at a, a day camp played basketball a lot and i don't know if you've i don't know if you know josh roman he used to play yeah. at west yeah yeah, he's yeah super good i'm a co-worker with him so we'd you know play ball and dalen irvine he played for sutton's Be- or northport i forget but he's also really good so
1: mm-hmm. it's cool yeah oh, i got one to throw in too
3: okay so you might have six questions That's six fine. questions no worries who's your favorite soccer player ronaldo cristiano okay. ronaldo that
1: was really fast easy James, go ahead, throw that yours really in good. here in the middle. Okay, uh, approximate percentage of the time that the opposing uh, announcer says Kobe. <laughs> so many times.
3: <laughs> like, okay, so they've probably gotten it right away, like maybe a few times out of all the away games I've played. And obviously home, they've said it right. But every time at home? <laughs> I mean, I think so. <laughs> I, I hope so. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> not very not very often do they get it right away, but that's fine.
0: All right, so this came up a little bit ago as far as my opinion, but would you eliminate draws from soccer if you could? If your answer is no, I want to know why.
3: I would say yes. I'd like to eliminate them because is there any other sport where you can end in a draw? Well, Football. unfortunately,
0: the NFL you can. It's happened twice this really? year. Okay. Yeah, because they play the whole overtime period, and if nobody
3: gets okay. ahead. Yeah, that needs to end there too. That, 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 that well, yeah, a tie a tie ender would be very nice. I think. Who'd you pull for in the World Cup this last summer? Well, I wanted Ronaldo to carry Portugal, and I thought he proved that he could do that by scoring a hat trick against Spain. I was going absolutely crazy when he scored that free kick; like that was crazy. But I was I was hoping for Portugal last. Uh, in two thousand and fourteen, pretty sure I said something about how fr- France, or either me and my cousin, said that France was gonna win it because they had so many younger guys, which they did win it, and they were absolutely incredible. Like, it seemed like they dominated, and they're so good. So I was, I was happy to see them win for sure. And then last one, unrelated to soccer.
0: Where is your favorite spot or view in all of Lelandaw County?
3: That's so tough. There's so many beautiful places. I I'd say I spend most of my time on Lake Lelandaw boating, but I really like the view. Clay Cliffs is unreal, and Whaleback; those are both two incredible views Spots. All right. Well, that'll do it. Awesome. Koblund, thank you for joining
0: episode 53 of the Get Around podcast.
3: Sweet.
0: We uh, wish you and the rest of the comments the best of luck here through the postseason and thanks a lot for joining us.
3: All right. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
0: (laughs) Another big thank you to Lelands Coblund For joining the get around in studio we really appreciate the time and we'll be curious to see how far the comments can get in this soccer postseason let's move on to the bulletin board real quick we've got a lot of items that we'll spend a little bit of time on each trying to run through these and glean the most interesting nuggets from each we'll start with football friday and saturday because we had a bunch of games both days. Uh, It was pretty interesting as far as the Big North was concerned. Escanaba made the 260-plus mile trip to Thurlby Field on Friday. Of course, Escanaba was ranked in Division 4. Central, I believe, was ranked in Division 2 and playing at home. And I think most expected the Trojans, while it wouldn't be a blowout, it would be a Central victory, and that wasn't the case. And... I was there covering that game. My biggest takeaway from that game was I just I didn't recognize the team that I was watching play. Central racked up over four hundred yards of offense, but they still only put twenty one points on the board thirty eight to twenty one They looked kind of lost at times. The defense couldn't get off the field. I think Escanaba was six for ten on third downs, and i mean their their skill players just looked better than Central's skill players on Friday night, and that, that really surprised me. And, and the fact that the defense couldn't, couldn't slow Escanaba down, that, that surprised me too. They're going to have to get off to faster starts. They had, yet again, a first possession of the game where they marched down inside the 10 and turned it over on downs. Especially come playoffs, you can't, you, you can't get inside the 10 and not get any points. And you got to quit turning the ball over. I think they had four turnovers on Friday against Escanaba. So just a lot of mistakes that they, that they have to clean up, and then maybe you know maybe they will get back to a little bit more of that juggernaut mode that we've we've seen time and time again.
1: Well, and you mentioned that the Central was ranked. They were and That's the correct that's the correct uh, use, use of the word there. Yeah, yes, because types. they are no longer ranked in the uh, top 10 in Division two. And uh, if, I, I, if I recall the email correctly, I don't know that they got a single vote this week, yet, anymore. Well, and that
0: wouldn't that wouldn't <laughs> that really
1: surprise me at
0: all. You know, one thing that Sugars did allude to after the game was that Tobin Chuanaki quarterback had kind of addressed the team in the immediate aftermath of that loss, and basically imploring everybody else that, like, okay, this is the game that we have to learn from. This is we have to use this game to better ourselves for the postseason. And he's right. If they can't do that, it's going to be a quick out. And unfortunately for Central, that loss almost certainly cost them a home playoff game. Jake, you didn't get to see the West game, but it didn't lack for drama. I'm sure you wish you could have. No, I do. I wish I
2: really wish I could have been in that game.
0: But you know, we talked about this leading in that the Titans didn't have a cakewalk the last two weeks of the season against Gaylord and against Potoski. And the Blue Devils gave the Titans all they could handle at Thoroughby on Saturday, seventeen to sixteen.
2: In overtime, nonetheless. Yeah, in
0: overtime, win for West, and Gaylord went for two to try to win the the game rather than going to a second overtime period.
2: What was the sense that you got from Coach Greg Vaughn when he called? He wasn't, I would say, extremely happy with the outcome. Uh, He told me definitely, Gaylord was the first team that was able to kind of beat West at their own game with Cade Foster being able to just kind of pound the ball through West defense. And the first drive of the game, they were able to drive it all the way down and score, which kind of put West on their heels, something they weren't really quite used to getting punched in the mouth so early. But like I said over the last few weeks, I still wasn't completely convinced that West was going to walk, quote-unquote, walk away with the Big North Conference. And this just proved me right knowing these are all going to be close games. They're all going to be nail biters. I mean, they still only allowed 16 points, but... I mean, when it comes down to overtime and Gaylord making that choice, there when they're playing with their backs against the wall for an automatic playoff berth, saying, "Hey, we're either gonna get this or we're not." You know, I think that is really you know it. It says a lot about the Blue Devils and their willingness to try to make the playoffs and their you know what they're trying to do here at the end of the season. But for Traverse City West, you know they eked out another one um, on a quarterback sneak in overtime. It's just. Their special teams, you know, with a kicker, Ruben Martinez hit another field goal. He actually missed one in this game, but um, you know they've had their they've had their problems too. And Petoskey's no joke. And that's the big thing is that Petos- them coming up with Petoskey. Petoskey, if they beat T.C. West, they will have a share of the Big North Conference title. You know they've only have they only have one loss to Traverse City Central. So far this year, but they've only lost to good teams. Which so it
0: could end up still being a three-way tie at the top.
2: Yeah, it could, exactly. I mean, West did clinch a share with their win over uh, Gaylord this past weekend, but at the very least, this is actually a really big, big North Conference game at the end of the year against a 5-3 and three Petoskey team and a 6-2 and two Traverse City West team. And both of those teams, their losses have come against really good opponents. So that's the big thing is, you know, Petoskey is losing against Traverse City Central, Mount Pleasant, and Escanaba. We just talked about two of those three teams, and Mount Pleasant's 8-0. So this isn't, once again, this isn't going to be a cakewalk for the Titans to win the Big North Conference.
0: We're going to stick with you, Jake, because you did get out to a game on Friday, and that was an eight-man special, uh, Sutton's Bay at Onekama. Onekama had one loss, Sutton's Bay had one loss. Aside from those losses, both teams have proved to be outstanding teams this year. And And what a game. Yeah, and it was over in like... 12 minutes.
2: It it, it went really quickly, yeah, that whole first half. I mean, they kept the ball on the ground, and, you know, they didn't need to, you know, uh, Benzie, Suns Bay did not need to throw the ball. Um, I mean, they probably needed to, but they really couldn't. Um, There wasn't much able to get going on the offensive end for either team when two powerhouses like that, who are used to scoring 50 points a game, go up against defenses who are used to allowing less than 10 points a game over the season. That's really what you get, is that clash of the Titans type feel. It was 8-7 to seven all the way down through the fourth quarter. I mean, this game was as close as you could ask for in an 8-man football player game. You don't get to see 7-8 to 8-man eight player football games very often.
0: And then it was a big passing play that ended up winning it for the Norsemen in the
2: final minute. Yeah, of course. 50, 51 seconds left. Bryce Opie finds Lucas Mikesell on a gorgeous uh, throw, but Lucas Mikesell just juiced the Odenekema defender. Got about 8-10 yards behind him and... Opie dropped it right in the basket, and it was just one of those plays where, even after the fact, Onekama still had a chance to go and win this game. And man, it was just a really good football game in between two good teams. I know onekama has been flirting with the top five and eight player football rankings, wah, wah, yeah, so far this year. But um, I mean, this doesn't drop me, drop them out of that conversation for me, and it, it brings Suttons Bay even closer up. But this game was so tight, so close, coming down to a play like that. Uh, where they had to go completely away from the mold. Both teams were throwing trick plays out left and right. You know, when it comes down to a play like that, that just tells you how closely, you know, competitive these teams are. And I think they both deserve to be up towards the top of the eight man conversation.
0: We have right? two sports that are already in their postseasons girls' golf, boys' tennis. The finals fields are already set. You've got all three Traverse City teams headed to the golf finals. Traverse City West. In Division One, Traverse City Central in Division Two, and Traverse City St. Francis in Division Four, and then you've also got Potoski jumping in in Division Two, moving on to the finals. That's two years in a row now that we've had all three Traverse City schools make the golf finals. What does that say in general, James, about the state of golf in the greater Traverse City area right now?
1: I'd say it's pretty good. <laughs> Central has been consistently good over the last long period of time. I mean, just making the state finals on a regular basis. Now West, the last five, six years, has joined in the act. St. Francis is in their third year in a row making the finals. So I mean you know golf, especially on the girls side, has, has really made a, a, a big jump in, in recent years. And uh, you know, I'm, I'm surprised we don't have more girls golf team in the teams in the area. But, you know, the ones that we have have been making some good noise this year. I mean, I'm surprised that the Big North Conference has to bring in Sheboygan just to have the minimum number of teams to have a league. And yeah, that, a league, that's and a Division a Four
0: team that is also going to the state finals.
1: Yeah. You know, but Gaylord and Cadillac don't have girls golf, so they had to go out and find somebody else to bring in for just for that sport just to have enough to have the bare minimum to qualify to be a league and have a league championship. Yeah, I think, it, I think it's just
2: because the courses up here are so hard. Everybody's that much better.
1: <laughs> well, no surprise
0: is the fact that Traverse City West won another regional championship. They shot a 335, 23 strokes better than second-place Caledonia down at Grand Valley State last Thursday. And, of course, the Titans were led by sisters Annika and Ansi D. Once again, Annika away the field with a seventy four in ridiculously terrible conditions.
2: Do we consider that a get around bump, even though it's not like her best best round ever? <laughs> that, that might be like one of her. I think that's probably her worst round of the year. Yeah, but uh, but she, she but and she, she still did won win. By how many?
0: She won by ten strokes. Yeah. So you know, I, my guess would be she doesn't feel so terrible about a seventy four when the weather is that bad, and I mean it was that bad across the board. The tennis regionals were really tough, the wind's just blowing every which way, really cold, not ideal for golf or for tennis. The Titans actually went 1-2-3 in that regional with Annika first, Ansi second with an 81, and Jillian Ewell third with an 82. Are the Titans going to keep it rolling, Jake, and win their third state championship in four years? It feels like the gap between West and the rest of the teams downstate has kind of shrunk a bit.
2: Yeah, I think so, but I think they've been labeled as more of underdogs this year. We had a chance to talk to the D sisters and how they both said that they really weren't all on their game at any one point this season. I mean, if Traverse City West can put it all together, have all of their girls shoot under 90s, which I know they're capable of, uh, I definitely see them being able to win a third straight state championship. And, I mean, at least uh, I see Annika you know, taking away another individual state championship and being, you know, the low medalist at the state finals.
0: Well, the really interesting thing uh, from the conversations I had with them when I did a story this summer, that'll be interesting to see if or how it may play out. You know, I I don't know these girls that are going to be golfing at this, at this level from downstate, but Anika and Ansi both talked about how when they go to tournaments, there's this, feeling from the other girls that they're super intimidated by the d sisters and that reputation of winning multiple state championships is going to precede them when they go to finals on friday and saturday so i'll be i'll be curious to see if that yeah if that if that earns west any extra leeway in how things go obviously the best of the best make it there and you know, there will be somebody who that doesn't bother. But, you know, I think having having won so much in the past, I mean, you're the favorite till somebody beats you. So. You
2: dropped a 63 this year. That just <laughs> yeah. seems like you've done a little bit better than, than previous years. So.
0: Well, if the weather doesn't get better, I don't think anybody is shooting a 63. But I, I do like West's chances. I th- I mean, I think mm-hmm. no matter which way you slice it, they're going to be one of the top teams in Division One. In Division Two, Traverse City Central shot a 390 at the at the regional. Petoskey shot a 384 to win, uh, leading the Northmen. Ashley Lamb won that individual title, shooting an 84, which was seven strokes better than the next best individual. One of those of which was Traverse City Central's Alicia Hogue. For the Trojans, Emlyn Munch also had a top five finish with a 93. So. We'll be keeping an eye on the Northmen and the Trojans. See how they fare after that regional at the Grand Traverse Resort. And in Division 4, St. Francis was second with a 395, 60 strokes behind Harbor Springs. I, I want to know how Harbor was golfing on that day because, holy man, that's, that's crazy. Uh, but for the Gladiators, Catherine Hopkins was fifth with an 87. Marina Aishon with an 89. To lead the Gladiators. And this last bullet point on the bulletin board. State tennis is going to take place Friday and Saturday. Traverse City Central, Traverse City West, and Traverse City St. Francis all punching their team tickets downstate. But none was perhaps a bigger surprise, maybe not in getting there, but in how they got there, than Traverse City West because they won the school's first regional tennis championship not their first trip to state finals but their first regional tennis championship in program history james you had a chance to talk with west after that victory i mean how were they feeling about that did they expect to win that win that tournament
1: i don't know if they went in expecting to win it i think they went in thinking there was a decent chance that they could qualify for the finals uh i you know when i talked to uh jason carmine one time in passing earlier in the in the week he had Said that it was looking decent for, for West to be able to qualify for the finals because they got some pretty decent seeds in the coaches meeting and stuff. But but he wasn't talking regional championship either. Uh, so they pulled that off. They pulled out. Ed Bernard got regional coach of the year, um, which I think is probably pretty pretty justified in pulling something off like that. That uh, winning your first regional championship in school history, and then and West won a pretty good amount of the flights in that regional as well.
0: Yeah, they won half of them, and I was going to say, it was because of their doubles play. West won that regional with 18 points, Grand Blanc was second with 17, and West won all four doubles championships, one through four, brought them home, they didn't win any singles titles, those all went to Grand Blanc, and the difference between the two went to West's three and four singles, and Grand Blanc's. Two three and four doubles, Grand blank only winning one match in each of those, and West three and four singles players each picking up a pair. So that's that was where the difference came from. So congratulations to the Titans moving on to the state finals. Trevor City Central earned a co-regional championship with Midland Dow. The Trojans had five flight runners up and three flight champions in that match. All four singles. Hayden McNamara, Matt Henkel, Matt Fahler, Ryan O'Connor, those were all runners-up in singles. Brian Grahams and Drew Humphrey was the runner-up in three doubles. But the flight champion teams of one, two, and four doubles for the Trojans is what really helped Central earn that co-championship. Chase Burden and James Turner, Austin Schultz and Nick Summerfield, and Kevin Lyon and Jackson Wade. This isn't new territory for the Trojans at all to be advancing to the state finals in tennis.
1: Yeah, then, Brett, you were at, you were at the St. Francis tennis finals or regional I, finals. So.
0: I was, and that one was not as close as either of the other two. Uh, St. Francis ran away with that one, uh, 29 points. Ludington was next closest with 21. Seven flights winning regional championships en route to their 11th consecutive regional title. It really wasn't close. there were still a number of players playing, and the Glads already knew they had that one wrapped up and St Francis is ranked number two in the state in Division four right now. They're seemingly in this position year in and year out, whether you're talking about boys or girls. Ann Arbor Green Hills is sort of the boogeyman of Division four tennis and and the boogeyman that Saint Francis is going to try to knock off downstate on Friday and Saturday. It's sort of interesting. I mean, all year long, aside from a couple of those matches, either playing higher divisions or or playing Green Hills like they did, I mean, St. Francis is always the favorite, and now they kind of have to shift their mindset to being an underdog at the state finals. Number one singles, Andrew Gerling, he's pretty confident. He's a... We've talked. We we we'd like to get Andrew on as a guest at some point on this podcast. He actually told me that he likes pressure. That he he likes playing nervous. Which I've heard people say they like pressure before. But the, the you know the fact that he said he likes to be nervous, I found interesting. He just said it 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 plays well to his game and uh, makes him play better. So I'll be looking to see you know how that follows through uh, in one singles, but. St. Francis has a really good shot. They finished third at the state finals last year, largely brought uh, a lot of these guys back for another go at it. And, you know, assuming Paul Bandrowski keeps this whole ship rolling the, ra- the way it has been for so many years, I mean, I think we're going to continue to see St. Francis making these deep runs. But you feel like at some point they're going to find a way to bring home the hardware and uh, Gerling at number one, Elliot Bandrowski at number two, and uh, you know the rest of that team, they've got, a, they've, they've got a good shot. That bulletin board brought to you by Jimmy John's, two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. Gentlemen, it's really hard to believe that we're already into our eighth induction of the Get Around Hall of Fame of this fall season. It's gone by really fast. It's gotten cold really fast. So this is our eighth class of nominees, and we're, we've got some good representation across the board here in a number of sports. Usually I would, uh, I would kick over to James or Jake to present their candidate first, but since our bulletin board segues nicely into this version of the Get Around Hall of Fame, I'm going to go first, and I'm going to put up St. Francis' Sean Navin, and I didn't bring this up before because I am I wanted to do it now. Not only did he and his teammate Brendan Shenard, Sorry, Brendan, I'm only putting Sean up for this award this week. There's good reason, though. There's, There's a good, good reason. reason. They they did win the regional championship at two doubles. But in doing so, in the victories that Navin and Shenard both picked up, although the victories go a victory to each name, not just as a tandem, Sean became the all-time winningest doubles player in MHSAA history. He now sits at 148 career victories, passing his brother, Ryan Navin, who previously held the record, which makes state finals pretty interesting because not only does he hold the doubles record now, but if he and Brendan were to win three matches... And get to 151. That would make him the all-time winningest tennis player, regardless of singles or doubles, in Michigan history. So congratulations to Sean. Uh, he was it was pretty humble in that accomplishment when I spoke to him after the match.
2: Except I know he said it felt pretty good to beat his brother's record. Didn't he it?
0: did. He, I mean, he said his brother had been texting him all day, kind of giving him grief, and you know, on one hand saying, "Yeah, I want you to beat the record," but then telling him, "But you're not gonna," and just you know, kind of teasing him a little bit. But obviously they ended up doing that and uh, are winning the regional title. And in doing so, Sean is now the all-time
2: wins leader. So congrats to him. Jake, I'll let you go now. Yeah, like you said, we got a couple different sports represented here. And with the season starting to wrap up, the uh, cross-country season starting to wrap up, I'm going to go with somebody who's been leading the way all season for Traverse City St. Francis, and that is Caitlin Duffing. Uh, she took home an individual regional or individual league championship uh, with the L, uh, LMC in the Lake Michigan Conference she ran a time of 1855.2 which was more than 40 seconds faster than her closest competition led the Traverse City St Francis girls to yet another Lake Michigan conference title but another big story out of that meet was the Traverse City St. Francis boys team actually won their first Lake Michigan conference title uh, only by two points you know so it was really, it was a, it was a race that came down to their last runner, but uh, congratulations to both of those teams and to uh, Caitlin Duffing for being my player of the week and Lake Michigan Conference champion.
1: James, all right, we're gonna step out kind of out of our, our normal coverage area of right being right around here in TC and go to uh, Johannesburg, Lewiston for uh, uh, running back Logan Finerty, who uh, ran up hundred and ninety six yards this week in a uh, 66 to 18 win over Newberry a, a win that clinched uh, league title for Joe Berg and uh, you know 196 yards is something that you you see from time to time in high school football but he did it on 13 carries is that good so he averaged eh, 15 yards a first down and a half every time he cut, touched the ball you know uh, also had uh, three touchdowns and made six tackles on defense All right, those are our candidates.
0: We're up for enshrinement into the Get Around Hall of Fame, the most exclusive club in northern Michigan, and I came up with that. Brendan didn't.
2: <laughs> in your face, Brendan.
1: James, who are you going to vote for? People are just taking shots at Brendan all over in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to go with Sean Nabin. I mean, that's just a, a huge, you know, not only a, a thing for the week, but, I mean, just a, a four-year thing. I mean, you put your name atop the state record books like that I think that's got to be uh, it's got to be your vote right there
2: yeah, I don't think it's just a four-year um, grind I think that's something that's probably worked all the way through the 17 or 18 years of his life so far you don't become the winningest tennis player in Michigan or the state of Michigan history without a lot of work and I'm gonna give it to Navin as well I think he deserves it
0: all right it feels good to be back in the winner's circle boys it's been a little while it has. much longer than I'm used to
2: it has. but
0: of course I'm gonna make it unanimous for Sean Navin and Brendan Shenard still gets a little bit of a shout-out there for helping his teammate accomplish what he did. Uh, but, Sean, you are the latest inductee into the Get Around Hall of Fame. Congratulations. The Hall of Fame brought to you by Jimmy John's. Two locations in Traverse City, Freaky Fresh, Freaky Fast, Jimmy John's, Freak Yeah. All right, as we mentioned at the top, it is hate week Michigan, oh, 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 oh. Michigan State, going to kick off and, I don't know, probably play a not very interesting game next Saturday. I don't
2: know where you get that from. <laughs> I have no idea where you're getting that from. It, it couldn't be near as bad as how uninteresting Michigan's game against the Badgers was. That wasn't game. interesting at all. No, you're right. You're right. But if there's one thing I know about Michigan State football is that regardless of the opponent, they like to keep things interesting.
1: The Michigan-Wisconsin game was so uninteresting that it wasn't in the paper.
2: Yeah, right. <laughs> Once
1: again, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was nobody needed to know what happened. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, this week, I think we all have a bit of a, a bit of a bigger chip on our shoulder. I guess I would say. Whole bag of Lay's potato chips.
0: You better, you better be careful. Sparty's uh, chip on their shoulder gets any heavier, you're all gonna suffocate underneath
2: it. That's oh, all no, I have I, to say. You take a bite off that chip, just like CC Central got. Eat the elephant. You take a bite off that chip every single time and give you a little bit more energy, but. Get into the trifecta so I can talk some more crap.
0: So, yeah, yeah, the trifecta this week is just our favorite or or the best college football rivalry. We narrowed the focus a little bit. We could have just gone sports rivalry or football rivalry, but we'll we'll keep it in college football. I already know where you're going with this, Jake, so you don't even have to say. Just say why it's the best college football rivalry.
2: Um, Not only is it one of the longest running, which uh, it's – it, there, there's so many implications, not just in football, uh, but across state, you know, across the state. Oh my god, if you tell me this is life or
0: death, I'm just going
2: to throw I, I would, up all of it wouldn't. I, it's not life or death, but I mean, it, the bragging rights, I believe, in this rivalry are, they mean more than just about any other rivalry in college football. You know, only being 70 miles down the road from each other and just in the state, it is always in family, you know, oh, we Michigan or a Michigan State fan, you know, brothers hate each other because they like the different schools and all that jazz, but I mean, every year, especially the last ten years, it's been such a great rivalry for the Spartans, um you know, going eight and two, but every year it has the intrigue, every year it sets up kind of like it did right now, and hold on, Jake has to polish that chip right now, yeah, exactly, exactly we'll polish Paul Bunyan is what we'll do, but uh it's it's one of those things that it seems like every year one of these teams is really, really good at the point in which they play, and the other team just seems like they might be able to do something and this year obviously Michigan is now moved into the top 10, their number 6 ranked. and you Michigan, couldn't ask for anything more than no. to move into the top 10 to give you a chance to to beat them, right? I did, no, honestly, there's nothing there's nothing that the Spartans want more than to have Michigan thinking that they are just going to roll over the Spartans um because that's that's how they like to play. And that's what I love about it is not just the familiarity between fan bases or the the rivalry itself but the honest to god the pure hatred between the two schools and the two football teams is to me unrivaled between a lot I mean I'm obviously not into another fan base where I would know what it would be like to you know have a what Wisconsin Minnesota or something like that that's uh, been so one-sided over
0: the last 20 years it's hardly a rivalry anymore other other than you know the axe is like the
2: coolest sport college trophy that there is uh, okay we, we, but either way um, I think the best thing about the Michigan Michigan State rivalry is honestly how much how much it means to both both schools and you know for Spartan fans at least you know you could go have a three and nine season like in 2016 but if you beat Michigan, Penn State, or you know Ohio State, you beat your rivals, especially Michigan though. I mean, you beat Michigan, it's a good year for as a Spartan fan, so I think it's a pretty pretty amazing game. But enough of my hatred for the University of Michigan, I mean or, or Spartans in general i mean what's your what's your best college football rivalry?
1: I would go with Michigan, Michigan state, but in for a different reason, and I just like getting on Twitter that day and just watching both fan bases lose their damn minds. No matter what happens, half the people I know on Twitter seems like are just going to be going. Just, I'm trying to f- find some words here, phrases that don't have. That is it, swearing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just, just. Uh, and I guess just losing your minds. I guess is the thing. And, and just, and just going off, flying off the handle. And, it's very uh, real. Yeah, it, it's just pretty funny. I find it very hilarious and, and amusing myself.
2: If anybody wants to find something that's very funny, if Michigan State does end up beating Michigan this weekend, what I need you to do is go and look at the hashtag Michigan excuses on Twitter following the game. Man, they will be hilarious. I already know just with the stockpile of memes and such that I've seen uh, over the years, the Michigan excuses uh, after Michigan State beats Michigan is probably one of the, or even after just Michigan loses in general is probably one of the best Twitter hashtags across the across the board.
1: Is there a couch burning hashtag?
2: Hey, if that's what it takes, I don't mind.
1: Well if couches burn
2: either way. Well it does not nah. No, couches only burn when we win. Couches only burn when we win. Uh,
1: are you sure Yeah,
2: couches only burn when we win. It's it's a good it's a He's it's a good young. celebration. They burn when we win. <laughs> there's couch
1: burning regardless. <laughs> there, they or burn.
2: irregardless. They burn when we win. That's just like a central saying, win or lose we still booze. No. Win or lose, fire to the couches. Probably. No, I, we won't. I guarantee there won't be a single burn couch if we if we lose to Michigan this weekend. If we win to Michigan there'll be 80 or 90 cuz everybody'll just immediately go to drowning their sorrows and there won't be time for couch burning. Yeah, nobody want to gather in big groups and be mad at each other.
0: All right. Well, I'm I'm leaving the Big 10. I kind of thought James might go somewhere else just to uh
2: No, it's hate week. We're not diversifying. No, everything gets focused on this rivalry. That's why it's the
0: best one ever. This goes as pretty hateful. I've not experienced either fan base in a, a large group firsthand. But you talk about the losing their minds on Twitter. How about a fan base where fans literally lose their mind in real life and poisons an entire grove of historic trees because somebody put a Cam Newton jersey on a Bear Bryant statue? How about that? So I'm going to go with Alabama Auburn as as the best college football rivalry and I mean I, there's so many out there. Could went Oklahoma Texas or yeah. Red River. Uh, yeah, I mean, but the stupid stuff that has come out of that rivalry and how seriously it's literally life and death for them.
2: It it's close. I mean, they we we Michigan State has people sit in front of the Spartan statue for literally 9 days straight. I mean, to, this whole week, to, so speak, she- to
0: speak to the power of, of that rivalry, that that specific example with Toomer's Corner and Harvey Updike poisoning those trees, that is the reason Paul Feinbaum exists in our lives. So, I mean... Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> you see the power yeah. it had? Nobody's happy about it, but it happened.
2: I guess. It's still not better than Michigan. Michigan State.
0: I haven't experienced either one of those
1: rivalries, so... Man. I've been to a Michigan-Michigan State game.
2: You want to, seriously, let's go down, you, you don't work this weekend. We, I mean, we have golf finals and everything we're supposed to be covering. Let's just head down to East Lansing, and I'll show you a good time. I've been thinking about making the trip just to make the trip, but I'm going down, what, next weekend for a four-day weekend, and then I got, I'm going to the Ohio State game on the 10th. So I really hope that we beat Michigan, so that way when I go to that Ohio State game, it's nitty-gritty. Like, we're trying to just rip everybody's hearts out of their chest. Play spoiler if you can't win it all. It's a lot of fun.
0: All right, that wraps up episode 53. We have yet to officially decide the winner of two Jimmy John's sandwiches for sharing, interacting with, retweeting last week's episode, episode 52, with Kingsley volleyball player Jessica Leffler. But you can win two sandwiches with this episode by sharing, liking, retweeting, Uh, Whatever your social media channel you prefer, help us get the podcast out there so more of you can become Audible viewers. That's what we'd like. You can find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash tcresports. We are at tcresports on Twitter. And you can find us individually as well. I'm at BA Sports Writer, James Cook at jamescook14, and Jake at jakeatnip. We appreciate you listening to this episode of The Get Around. We had a lot of fun. Hopefully you did too. Have a good one.